0: This is Anchor LA, a podcast presenting world headlines, technology news, arts and data, and encouragement from the Praise Light Media Studios in Panorama City, California. Today's Wednesday, the 2nd of May, 2018. In a deal yet to be approved by US regulators, cell carriers T-Mobile and Sprint have finally proposed an official merger plan, with T-Mobile and its CEO, John Ledger, heading up the new company. According to the Washington Post, the company will now be the nation's second biggest wireless carrier after Verizon controlling roughly 100 million customers. Despite a press release video released featuring the CEOs of both companies assuring this merger would create more jobs and recalling T-Mobile's excellent track record with the buyout of Metro PCS Company a few years ago, many are fearing that the reduction in competitors in the US wireless market will give cause to rising prices from the new T-Mobile over the next few years. But following CEO John Ledger's history, it's clear that mergers don't stop his aggressive nature to change the industry, and that includes quality, cost, and customer service. According to Reuters, the FCC approved a report that found in September of last year that for the first time since 2009 there is effective competition in the wireless market, a finding that could help Sprint and T-Mobile make the case for the merger. The new company has stated that by merging, it would be able to provide the first real 5G network in the US, a palatable offer for the FCC, which has stated this as an important focus for the wireless carriers. Time will tell how regulators respond to the merger, but provided all goes well, both T-Mobile and Sprint customers are about to see some changes over the next few years. And another merger in the business world, this time in the United Kingdom, as that country's Walmart subsidiary, Asda, has agreed to a merger with grocery giant Sainsbury's, making the latter now the largest grocer in the UK. Although formerly considered the British version of Walmart, the US-based store has now agreed to hold no more than 29.9% of the total voting rights in the combined business. The deal marks an ambitious attempt to re the UK retail market in which the traditional Big Four retailers Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda, and Morrison's have come under Pressure from German discount chains Lidl and Aldi in food and from homegrown rivals along with internet retailers such as Amazon in general merchandise. This according to the Financial Times, which stated that both the Sainsburys and Asda brands will be maintained and the companies said there were no planned store closures as a result of the combination. Similar shake-ups with the grocery retailers of the last decade are taking place in the U.S. as well, with Lidl expanding into the U.S. East Coast, and Aldi increasing their footprint into Southern California, giving Walmart there a run for their money in the food industry.
1: true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent.
0: In the late 1940s, a radio program signed on the airwaves of the US which over the years became one of the most popular and recognizable shows both on radio and TV history. Dragnet was a high-action adventure program which enacted the cases of a dedicated Los Angeles police detective, Sergeant Joe Friday, and his partners. The show's name stemmed from the police term meaning a system of coordinated measures for apprehending criminals or suspects. The series gave audience members a feel for the boredom and the drudgery, as well as the danger and heroism of police work. Dragnet also earned praise for improving the public opinion of police officers. In 1951, after about a decade on the radio, the show aired on television with Jack Webb as Detective Joe Friday and Ben Alexander as his partner Frank Smith. In a 1966 reboot, Jack Webb wanted to maintain his partner Frank Smith, but the actor was in contract on another show and thus Officer Bill Gannon, played by Harry Morgan, became Sergeant Friday's new partner. Cases, both on the radio and TV, were based off of real-life events, and with so creator Jack Webb's extensive study of the police force, the show was considered very true to life as opposed to sensationalized dramas which became popular in later years. The earlier series, which was filmed in black and white, took a documentary approach, with Sergeant Friday and the police force often encountering the seamy side of Los Angeles, with a steady succession of callous fugitives, desperate gunmen, and slippery swindlers. In later episodes, although still using convincing dialogue readings, the color episodes of Dragnet lost the documentary feel, and for many, it seemed more staged. But both the new and the old episodes were known for to-the-point dialogues, not-so-subtle analysis of the causes of crime, deterioration of society, or the fight against destructive drug use. Dialogues that would never pass approval on contemporary TV shows both for length and for content. Just listen to this Vietnam War-era clip from a 1968 episode of the TV series. Sergeant Joe Friday and Officer Bill Gannon are back at the police station with some young men who had been causing disturbances and trouble in the area in the name of activism. You just don't understand.
1: Maybe we do, son. Don't think you have a corner on all of virtue vision in the country, or that everybody else is fat and selfish and you're the first generation to come along that's felt dissatisfied. They all have, you know, about different things, and most of them didn't have the same opportunity and freedoms that you do. I don't know. Maybe part of it's the fact that you're in a hurry. You've grown up on instant orange juice. Flip a dial, instant entertainment. Dial seven digits, instant communication. Turn a key, push a pedal, instant transportation. Flash a card, instant money. Shove in a problem, push a few buttons, instant answers. But some problems you can't get quick answers to, no matter how much you want them. We took a little boy into Central Receiving Hospital yesterday. He was four years old. He weighs eight and a half pounds. His parents just haven't bothered to feed him. Now give me a fast answer to that one. One that'll stop that from ever happening again. And if you can't settle that one, what about the 55,000 Americans who will die on the highways this year? That's nearly six or seven times the number that'll get killed in Vietnam. Why aren't you up in arms about that? Or is dying in a car somehow moral? Tell me how to wipe out prejudice. I'll settle for just the prejudices you have inside yourselves. Show me how to get rid of the unlimited capacity for human beings to make themselves believe that they're somehow right and justified in stealing from somebody or hurting somebody, And you'll just about put this place here out of business. I don't think that we're telling you to lose your ideals or your sense of outrage. They're the only way things ever get done. And there's a lot that still needs doing, and we hope you'll tackle it. You don't have to do anything dramatic like trying to come up with a better country. You can find enough to keep you busy right here. While you're at it, don't break things up in the name of progress or crack a placard stick over somebody's head to help him see the light. Be careful of his rights. Because your property and your person and your rights aren't any better than his, and next time you may be the one to get it. We remember a man who killed six million people and called it social improvement."
0: Jack Webb worked on many other shows, including the famed shows Atom 12 and Emergency, which he produced, and actors from those shows made it onto Dragnet and vice versa. In 1982, Jack Webb began working on yet another reboot of the TV show, choosing Adam-12's Kent McCord as his partner. But on December 23rd of that year, Jack Webb passed away from a sudden heart attack, and the reboot plans fell dormant. Though later episodes were rebooted in 1989 and 2003, none had quite the effect or semblance of a real-life day, or a sneak peek into a police detective's life as the ones created by Jack Webb. The series spanned several turbulent times in history and, through it all, offered poignant and wise advice from a law enforcement's perspective in the form of entertainment and broadcast into countless homes across the country. Yeah,
1: and you get a little weary of hearing every kid give you the same excuse when you tag him. You don't understand. I just want to belong. That's why I did it. What it boils down to is the new morality, doesn't it? A whole new sense of values. The kids see it on television, in magazines, even hear it from the pulpit god is dead drug addiction is mind expanding promiscuity is glamorous even homosexuality is praiseworthy how are you going to fight that it ain't easy but you got to remember that the vast majority of the juveniles you're handling are the kids next door they're not hardcore criminals it's just that for them it's a great deal more important to be accepted by the other kids than to please their parents
0: Last week we examined what it means to be saved, that the time for salvation is now, and it's not something that we have the freedom to put off for even for one minute. Life is fleeting. Just like salvation, the time for reconciliation with others is also always now. Tomorrow may be, as it were, too late. No excuse that we can ever come up with legitimizes bitterness, anger, hatred or any other sin to keep us separated from another person. In Matthew 5 we read, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Jesus illustrates there in Matthew 5 that we should make good on any debt or settle any grievance before it's too late. Some background on that passage, in the Roman Empire, Two opponents at law could settle an issue on the way to court, but not after a judge became involved. Once a judge became involved, the guilty person had to pay the last cent or everything owed in debt. That is why the next verse reads that you will never get out until you have paid that very last penny. A good reminder in this analogy is that the debt that we owe Christ can never be paid. It is unpayable. The amount that we owe Christ because of our sins is unfathomable. Being thrown into prison and not being able to get out until a debt is paid is Jesus' analogy to the Father's punishment for our sins against Him. Before we can avoid divine chastening and have a right relationship with God, we must determine to mend any and all broken relationships with other people without delay. In his book Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, John MacArthur points out that because of sin, none of us is ever completely at peace or perfectly related to another, and since it's impossible to have perfectly right attitudes towards others or God, no worship is ever fully acceptable. All of Jesus' teachings in this passage and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew show us again the utterly perfect standard of God's righteousness and the absolute impossibility of our meeting that standard on our own. Now bearing this in mind, may we live our lives knowing that we have done everything that we can to resolve altercations, to make wrongs right. And may we, when God as the judge chastises us, submit and learn, be humbled by his reproof, and resolve to weed out bitterness and anger, to live peaceably with our brothers and sisters, imitating Christ, our perfect example. our forgiveness when wronged and our consistent, biblically defined love for one another. Thanks for listening to Anchor LA on Twitter at Anchor LA Podcast and Facebook.com slash Anchor LA, where you can find links and information to various topics we cover on the show. Contact us anytime with questions or comments or call into our show directly on the Anchor app with input or suggestions. We'd always love to hear from you. Until next time, from Panorama City, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Anchor LA.